All right, guys, what's up? Welcome to the Mid Combo Podcast. Just opened a brew, and uh, today I'm pretty excited. I also have a fan running because it's freaking hot in here, uh, but so there might be like a little hum. But anyway, today uh, I have a guest. He's my friend, Brandon Hendricks. Uh, we got some history. We work together. We've traveled together, like freaking all the all the way across the world. But I'm excited to have him on the podcast. He also went to film school, blah, 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 yada, yada. We're going to get into it. But first, let's roll intro music. Killing all right. it. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> all right, guys. Well, what's up, Brandon? What's up, Ed? How's it going? Nothing much. We just had dinner. He's at my house right now because oh, so we can't really uh, be out at a restaurant uh comfortably and you know so just having brandon over he's in the home office but uh thanks for coming on to the podcast dude I, I haven't seen you actually i did see you one time during quarantine but i also feel like from the amount of time that we were spending together like probably 2018 2017 i feel like i barely see you now obviously because we used to spend a lot of time together yeah but um First, first, before people are like, who the frick is Brian Hendricks? Tell us a little bit about yourself, um, what you do for a living, where you live, what, where you work right now, things like that. Yeah, dude. Well, I mean, firstly, I would just like to say thanks for having me on the podcast. Never done a podcast, so this is, this is a monumental moment for me here. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, like Ed said, I am Brandon Hendricks, and... Born and raised in Tacoma, Washington. Shout out, uh, best town in the South Sound. I'm just gonna, just gonna go full send on that. You love Tacoma, bro. I love Tacoma, dude. It's the best place. Seattle's a little too bougie for me, you know. But it's cool. Um, I am currently a content producer at a little marketing agency in Tacoma. Um, I kind of just do everything under the sun when it comes to content production. You know, video, photo animation kind of just whatever clients need we do that um it's it's fun it's a great time yeah you do a lot of content um it's crazy when i hear some of the stuff that he does for work you be working like how many videos you edit today oh man today yeah today was a crazy day i think i probably edited at least like six videos okay how many videos (laughs) do you think you edit on a monthly basis um Oh, on a monthly basis i'm just gonna shoot out 30 oh my goodness maybe i mean maybe more Yo, maybe around there if you're listening to this and you're struggling with that weekly upload go go hate yourself because brennan is pumping out 30 videos a month i will say though i mean it's your job right so you're like it's different because you're getting paid to do it so of course you're gonna be working at least eight hours a day yep. on it whether that's shooting or editing but anyway that's really cool so he's in tacoma so for those of you who don't know Oh, that's going. Burped. That's got to stay I just in burped, there. Guys, yeah. Sorry, this brew though. It's from it's Tacoma. A great brew. E nine Brewing. Got, shout out. Got that IPA. Uh, shout out to B for bringing it over. I but, got you, man. Uh, anyway, <laughs> moving on. We basically, I wanted to give you guys a little bit of insight on Brandon and kind of our relationship and our friendship. So, for those of you who don't know, I used to work at a place called Rhino Camera Gear. Um, if you've been watching my content for as long as you can remember as soon as you started i you probably followed me along the time when i was doing rhino camera gear they're a slider company they're based out of this this area and 
that's kind of where I met Brandon. So like year one, I believe like when I was working there, we were looking for some more help with like video content and we got a ton of resumes. Let me tell you, like people want to work at Rhino camera <laughs> gear for video content and content creation. I was kind of transitioning into digital marketing and social media at the time. And me uh, and the team were looking for another guy. And so I was like, Hey, like I'll start, I'll man this, I'll man this project. I'll try to find someone. So we we're getting resumes, getting flooded in. And there was this one guy, I guess, who kept like being adamant about it. Yeah. And the customer service person, Brittany at the time, she was like, yo, so I just got this call or email or something and he wants to get in contact with you. So I was like, yeah, send it over. So obviously this guy was like pretty persistent about getting this job, which was lo and behold, Brandon, who's on the podcast right now. And, you know, I saw his resume. I saw his, I saw that he was trying, he was in film school at the time. Um, I saw that he's from Tacoma, which is perfect. Good location. I also saw that actually you were in Puyallup at that time. I was in Puyallup. Yeah, so like you were ten like, minutes from you the, were like right yeah. in the neck of the woods. Um, and I saw your portfolio. I think I saw like a soccer or football ad. I think I, you saw my it was like a reel shoot. Yeah, from yeah, yeah. like twenty seventeen, long long time ago. Yeah, but I was like, yo, this is this is pretty cool. Like <laughs> I, I could mess with this. I was pretty impressed. So literally, like I I messaged Brandon or emailed him. I was like, yo, let's meet up at this coffee shop that's like right down the street. So we met up. And then pretty much like the rest is history. Like we hit it off and I was like, yo, you should come work with us. And um, that's when we started doing Move with Rhinos, a lot more Move with Rhinos. If you guys don't know what that is, that's basically like a little series we started on YouTube for Rhino, which is like talking about camera gear and all things camera. And man, we just like just created for like what, two, a year and a half. Yeah. Yeah. A good solid year for sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Those were awesome, man. I, I remember the first day that I showed up and, I mean, this was me coming, like, I used to live in California for a bit, come back up to Washington, and I'm just, like, get this opportunity, which still kind of blows my mind that you were down to meet up, super stoked, and I remember we were shooting the first Rhino, where it was the iPhone X versus the Sony FS5, Yeah, yeah in, like, yeah. a bat, like, a, you know, comparison, and I just remember, ro- like, rolling up with you, and you pulled out your Pelican case, full of all this crazy gear that I was like, I was way too overwhelmed at the time to, you know, be comfortable handling. And it, we just killed it, man. That was a good, that was, that was a, a good episode. That was a good run. That was such a good, that was such a good episode too. It yeah, was a good right. episode. Yeah. If you guys don't know what we're talking about, um, I don't want to like keep talking about it, but go to youtube.com. Just look up like FS5 versus iPhone X and like, you'll see the video. It's by Rhino Camera Gear. Um, and we, after that, we shot so many other episodes, but B basically was like our content editor, kind of like second shooter for me. And he also became our main shooter when I started to be in the videos more. Um, but it was just a great time. We've been to Ireland together. We've been to Vegas, <laughs> Vegas together <laughs> for NAB. Yeah. Um, and then where where else have we gone? I think that we went to we went to Idaho together to get we my car. <laughs> that was yeah the Idaho vlog, yeah. boys and girls. Getting the Forerunner. <laughs> B was there for that. Um, I think that's it. We've been to Ireland was one for the books for oh, sure. Yeah, but we we basically, long story short, I mean we've traveled together. We've created content together. We've just we drank a lot of beer together. You know, so Brandon's a good friend of mine. Um, basically what I want to talk about in this podcast, um, there's no real objective. I think we're just kind of chatting it up. And I think there's a lot of things that Brandon, you guys can take away from Brandon's 
trials and tribulations as a um, content creator. He he was freelancing for a little bit. Then he went, he was like working with us, freelance for a little bit, went back to a job. So I feel like he just has a lot to say on that, on that part. And also he was in film school and then dropped out. Dropped the mic. Freaking make it dramatic, guys. He dropped out of film school. But... Uh, for the most part, I just think that's interesting because uh, with so many emerging content creators, everyone wants to be a videographer. Everyone wants to be a content creator. I really feel like film school, right? Like who even goes to film school anymore? Yeah. Um, and is it really worth it? Because after being, I, I really feel like after being in content creation for a while now and me being like a YouTube Academy type of starter, like I learned on YouTube and I watched people like Peter McKinnon and all these people. That's kind of how I started. But I'm starting to realize there is definitely a difference between being a YouTube content creator and someone who has like literal like film knowledge, like from Hollywood, from film school, like the terms, yeah. terminology you use on set, those kind of things. It's so different than YouTube world of filmmaking. And so I didn't really I was I used to be in the past like, no, you don't need film school. I do still think you don't need film school if you're trying to make money as a content creator, you can just swing it on doing YouTube stuff. But if you're trying to really hone in on your skills as a creator with like lighting and uh, like learning like things, what an AC does, what a grip does, what what a camera cinematographer does, you know, like and actually understanding those roles, film school is pretty important. But yeah, Brendan, what are your thoughts? I kind of just ramble for a second there, but what are, yeah. your, what are your thoughts on film school? And why did you drop out and the whole process there? Yeah. Um, I think really one of the the interesting things and I'll I'll kind of get to dropping out um for me but the cool thing about right now and even just in the last few years and sort of this uh this sort of wave of like YouTube content creation and and versus like you know the no film school versus film school sort of debate is I mean it really all comes down to like you were saying it just depends on who you are like it depends on what your goals are and your career and for me, a lot of it was, I mean, even when I was very young, I was like, ah, I want to be a, a video editor in Hollywood. That was like my goal. I was like, I'm going to edit feature length films in Hollywood. And I actually had the experience to move down to California and get a little bit more hands-on experience with that space and sort of fell out of love with that idea of, because I don't know if anyone is lives in LA or is from that area or is in that industry, you know, in that environment, but it's tough, man. It's, I mean, it's really like, it's full on, like, you know, dog eat dog kind of world where it just, it's brutal. Um, and so when I sort of realized that, um, I was able to sort of move past the idea of like, oh, I need to be, you know, in Hall in the Hollywood space. And then that's sort of like where the YouTube space comes in. But, Really, I mean, I think one of the key differences is like film school can teach you a lot of the technical aspects. It can teach you um, more of like what you would need to know if you were in a, a bigger sort of like higher budget kind of space, like commercials, you're doing higher budget short films, that sort of thing, where it's like, I mean, if I only like, did you know like what grip was? Do you know what an AC was like if you just were on YouTube watching like Peter McKinnon or some of the, you know, those creators like. That's like, true. I, I really wouldn't like I, honestly, that's that's what I was alluding to earlier is that you don't 
you don't learn those things mm-hmm. and i'm starting to realize as i'm getting more of a content creator like being running gun being a solo filmmaker i'm starting to look at more professional work now like whether it be a music video or even like films that i see at the movies or netflix documentaries mm-hmm. i'm starting to watch those now and i'm literally being like why does my content not look like that like what is stopping me from making my content look like that film or like that that vibe and yes, you know, they're shooting on like Red Dragons and Aries and, and bigger cameras, like cook lenses, all those kind of stuff. Right. They're shooting on bigger equipment, which is true. But to be honest, a lot of it has to just do with like logistics. Like, yeah, of course, when you're shooting on a big setup like that, when you have someone pulling focus and a director telling you which direction to go and you have someone holding a huge negative fill, like just card and like just getting all the light shaped for you and then you have someone holding audio and you're not worrying about like is the audio pumping into the camera oh yeah of course you're gonna get a way more cinematic just polished image yeah so yeah to, to go to your along with your point like it's not something you really learn on youtube yeah and I, I think that one of the interesting things too is like like being in film school for the time that i was i learned a lot of the technical jargon and you can take that and it's on YouTube. Like there is content that covers the technical yeah, side of it. There's a few people. It's the vocabulary where you're like, oh, I didn't even negative fill that. I didn't know what that is. And then you look that up and it's like, oh, my, it's a whole new you know, door that you're open to lighting technique and things like that. Okay, um, for people who are listening, though, what is negative fill? Comment below. no like tell them what is negative fill oh negative fill it's essentially like uh if you know what fill is no no no. i don't think people know (laughs) okay if we're assuming we don't know people know what a 120d with a light dome is word word yeah so fill is basically like if you have a light source like a 120d and just say for example it's pointed at the side of your face like an interview setup. like an interview setup you have like one you just you're illuminated on one side and maybe the other side of your face is just dark because there's no light there a fill would basically take you're taking any sort of it can be many different types of like materials a white, like a white poster board or yeah. like a white big huge white sheet basically yeah and it's bouncing the light from your main source of light onto a subject or anything like that now let's just flip that scenario and let's say you're in sunlight broad day and you want basically the light to not fill your entire face you would use what's called negative fill which is a you know material that's black wrapped or Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. anything that can sort of essentially cut light out and you put that very close to your subject and you're you're creating contrast on the face yeah and it is seriously like to me it's it's underrated and it is like the coolest thing Mm -hmm. in my mind because you could be in the middle of the day and use this technique and just create the coolest <laughs> for sure <laughs> the coolest yeah. lighting setups and you wouldn't even know mm-hmm. i agree if you watch movies too you'll really see it like next time you watch your next netflix show or next time you watch a movie just pay attention to people's faces yep. and see how much contrast or darkness there is on one side of their face it's like you'll start to notice like whoa it's really dark on one side you know like there it just it's kind of mind-blowing but anyway it is it yeah. is mind-blowing um but i mean i guess to get to the the meaty part is like why i dropped out of film school um honestly um i i went to film school because i was initially when i moved down to california i was trying to go to 
just a normal conventional college. Uh, I didn't really know exactly what I wanted to do. I was kind of pursuing like general business degrees. I was sort of looking into, you know, video production sort of or film degrees in schools. And it just kind of happened. So happened that um, every every school that I tried just didn't really work out. It kind of fell through. And then I got to a point where I I really just wanted to study what I loved. And that was filmmaking. That's and I wanted to kind of take it to the next level. So I just kind of I full sent went to the LA film school. I did their online program. I did that for about three years. And during school, I was, when I first started, I lived in California and then I moved back up here to Washington. Um, and I started working, I was working at a restaurant and I actually, while I was in school, got the opportunity to work at Rhino with Ed. And that sort of, uh, moment in my life was really like pivotal for me and realizing that like I got to, I was able to be lucky enough and, and provide like some sort of a portfolio that, you know, sparked Ed's interest enough for him to give me a chance and really just kind of like in that moment, I was like, well, maybe I don't need school. Like maybe I don't need this degree in order to pursue what I love to do. It's I gained all of my skills from doing hands on from doing projects like passion projects, things with friends for no money for so long and just literally just kind of putting my head down and just working at it and Mm -hmm. getting the craft down and so i i honestly was just so overwhelmed with working at a basically two jobs and i was doing exactly what i wanted to do at that time which was creating content and like i I was i was stoked and i had a about a year left of school and i kind of realized i didn't want to finish um with a distracted mind, if you will. And so I, yeah, I just, I just dropped just out, dropped out, <laughs> just dude. dropped just out, straight up dropped out. Yeah. Film school is also where Brandon got his beloved FS five. Oh, my baby. He just cannot get over. I can't get That's over. It's like a whole nother conversation. It is. But <laughs> <laughs> why is my mic all loose? What the heck? Hold on. Let me, let me screw this guy on. Oh, oh, why? Ed's struggling. Ugh. Okay, whatever. All right, Mike's kind of loose. There but, okay, well, there was a lot covered yeah. in all that right now. I'm trying to decipher some of the parts that I thought would be really helpful. Um, there are some parts I really appreciated about your story because there's so many lessons to be learned in your process. Just even, we're, we're talking, we're not even talking about present time. We're talking about like two years ago when yeah. you were going through all that stuff. I also feel like when you said that all that, um, portfolio that like that you were you're fortunate enough to have a portfolio at the time and to be honest like you're absolutely right like if you didn't have that portfolio you wouldn't have got the thing at rhino like there was something i had to show my boss to be like hey this guy kind of knows what he's doing like we should get him on the on board but like you said those are portfolios you made with like friends um like probably ads spec ads you weren't getting paid for it was just for fun that you were just you know trying to grow your skills as a filmmaker but that portfolio is exactly what landed you an interview with me and then get you a job at Rhino, which kind of just kind of snowballs from there as, as like a really making a career out of content creation. Cause like you said, you're working at a restaurant before that. And I feel like there's, that's really important for all you guys who are listening because yo, so many of you guys are listening to this and saying like, you know what? Like, man, I wish I could, I wish I could work a job where I'm creating content, doing what I love. Just like Brandon just said, you know, 
but you got to look at yourself in the mirror like have you created a portfolio do you really feel like you've gone out and created content with your buddies for fun are you like genuinely in love with creating content or are you just trying to make money that that's the part i'm trying to tell people too like when i try to coach i'm like really over motivating people and like i I kind of realized when I was first getting to podcasting and just the type of content I post now on my Instagram, I was motivating a lot. Like, you can do this, like, blah, yeah. blah, blah. But I'm starting to realize now, like, that's not really my vibe. I, I mm. want to go more into coaching. It's like, if you're down and you have, I'm not here to motivate you. You're already motivated. You need strategy. You need direction. That's the kind of people I want to help. Because the thing is, it doesn't matter how motivated I am. If the person, if you're listening to this and you're not motivated by the right things, it doesn't matter what I say right now on this mic. It doesn't matter what Brandon says on this mic. You're not going to accomplish your goals because you yourself are not motivated. Yep. And motivation is not something that can be like relayed through like a mic. You're not going to watch any YouTube video. You might feel fired up for two seconds, but it's just going to die right down if you don't have motivation yourself. So what I'm trying to say is you need to fall in love with creating content for the right reasons. And if, if, if you're trying to create content to make money, that's not a problem. Like I have nothing against that. There are certain ways to go about it. If you're trying to make, just make money. But if you're trying to say like, I, I love making videos and you say all that stuff. When was the last time you made a free video? When was the last time you packed your bags, went with a buddy up to the mountains or to the city and you just made a piece of content just cause. And if your answer is like, damn, that's yeah, it's been a while. Then I don't know if you actually love making content. If you're over here complaining that you don't have, gigs you don't have clients right yeah. so brandon doing all that doing all that spec work that wasn't paid landed him that gig at rhino so after rhino though like what happened so so like you quit film school it sounds like we were like freaking jiving at rhino <laughs> doing our thing yeah. and then what happened oh man well I mean, you can spare all the details but yeah I mean, yeah no. what, what happened to you though like the transition that you faced in your own mind and I mean, probably a lot of it was influenced by me being right by <laughs> yeah. you, but yeah. Tell no, us, tell I, us I about think that, that uh, I think it's actually kind of beautiful in a way um, that I've had been able to establish a relationship with you, um, not just only as friends, but as in a sense, you know, we kind of the, the great thing about our relationship. I feel like we we just we very perfectly bounce off each other in in different ways. Like you are very much like in that sort of motivational coaching, like you kind of, you, you really did sort of just tell me how it was a lot of the time. You were like, dude, what are you doing? And it's like, oh, <laughs> and then you, it's not even in a bad way. It's just like, oh yeah, yeah maybe I should just kind of think about it. But I mean, essentially it was like, once you were leaving Rhino um, and you were pursuing freelance full-time, um, I got to a point, you know, where it probably was a little bit influenced by you as well. But I was like, I want to do it as well, just in sort of a different space, you know, being in Tacoma, I really wanted to try and kind of tap into that market. Um, and so I did it too. I was like, all right, we're both peacing out. <laughs> it literally just like full send, dude, full send, peaced out. Yeah. And uh, I, I tried freelance for um, probably what, like six, seven months ish. I'll say so. Yeah. Pretty, yeah. I mean, it, it was, uh, I mean, if you guys have ever done freelance, you know that it's, it's not for the faint of heart. Yeah. And it's tell not, us, tell us about that experience. Like what, what did you learn? How difficult was it? Was there anything you wish would have maybe done differently or? Yeah. I mean, well first, yeah, it is very difficult. I mean, it one, it's like, 
for me specifically, like a lot of freelance comes with your network and your connections. And it's sort of like who, you know, like, I, I think that who, you know, does benefit you in, in this specific space because it does get you, it kind of opens doors to different avenues. But for me, it was like, I was just kind of getting back into where I was like my hometown. And so it was kind of like, I was just a ghost for, you know, forever. And then I come back and I'm like, all right, here we go. We're going to, we're going to do freelance. I'm going to transform Tacoma, man. I'm going to take it to a whole nother level. Um, and it's not as easy as it sounds. It's not as easy as, uh, you know, one might think it definitely takes a lot of, uh, motivation and like drive. That's just purely coming from like yourself, mm -hmm. you know, no one is holding your hand through it. Like sometimes maybe if you have obviously like really good connections that that helps you, but at the end of the day when you and you know you wake up in the morning and you're like okay well, what am i going to do today that's going to help me get <laughs> like there are so many times where you where, wake up you're like yeah, I would what call, do i do today <laughs> man i would call ed and i'd be like dude i don't know like how am i supposed to just get a gig man and he'd be like dude you got to like plan out your day you have to like actually make a schedule for yourself you might not be working but you need to like have some sort of yeah, a schedule yeah. that keeps you accountable for what you're doing and and I just was kind of mind blown at that concept because I'd never done it before. And I was just, you've always worked a job, right? Like yeah. I've always had sort of like the clock in clock out mentality, or it's like, you know, you just kind of go to your job and you work it and then you, you're good. And, and so, uh, yeah, freelance was, was tough. I think if I were to do anything different, it would be to wait a little bit longer before I wanted to, yeah. um, pursue it because I really, jumped into the deep end right away and I was ready for it. And yeah. I was like, I got this. And, um, sometimes it's easy if you don't have sort of like <laughs> any plan at all. Uh, yeah, it's you're kind of like no obligations really. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's easy to, uh, it's easy to sink, but I think that you have to take those experiences and not let them like, don't dwell on it. Like, obviously there was times where I felt at low points and it's like, man, I, really thought that I had this good chance at, you know, yeah. sort of getting some momentum, um, but sort of stepping back and realizing what steps you're actually taking that actually like motivate what you're like, what mm -hmm, steps mm -hmm, you can actually mm -hmm. take to get some real tangible like progress. Results, yeah. Yeah. Results. And um, I mean, it definitely was, a, it was exciting. It was also terrifying. Like if you're going to do, if, yeah, I have a lot of respect for you, Ed, you do, you mean you've done freelance for a while. Um, but you've also sort of like, you've put in your time, like your time at Rhino was very valuable for you because you were able to sort of establish yourself in the industry. And that's kind of what I feel like I'm doing now in the company. I mean, it's like, obviously it's a, you know, it's an eight to five job, but the people that I'm able to meet through this job is it's fantastic. And it's like, Sometimes you just have to, I don't know, put yeah. your head down and just, it's okay to take a step back and zoom out and say, well, what, what am I actually doing here? Yeah. And yeah. you don't want, you don't want, like, it's like the whole starving artist thing, you know, like you don't want to be that you want to be strategic and be like, and also have that motivation and, um, yeah. 
Yeah. I will say... Does that answer the questions? That was a very thorough answer. Is that is that work? Yeah. No, you did a great job <laughs> at answering that question. That's exactly what I was kind of looking for. I'm, cool. I'm a little bit impressed right now. I'm like, dang, I don't even know where to pick this up from. That was a... Uh, Dude, I'm so woke. I was... <laughs> woke b woke b hey a little fun fact uh literally me and b when we were gonna like start our own like little thing together our name was gonna be just too creative (laughs) but like not yeah like two like the number two like just too creative hey that's a fire name that's a patent pending right there nobody go steal that (laughs) all right (laughs) i think someone actually already has it but that's a fire name um anyway going back to your story that was really interesting to hear your perspective on it. And I just want to share my like third person mm-hmm. point of view, like, or not third person, but outside perspective. Yeah, you were there on seeing you go through this, this whole thing. And I will say that's why B, he had like all the skills. Like you had the gig. Let's say it's like a corporate interview, a wedding, a promo video. Like you knew exactly what to do to crush it. Like you can make a very good video. But where B was lacking at the time was, like he said, was not only a network, but just I, I, I didn't even realize it at the time because I was still trying to figure out how to freelance. I was still figuring out like I j- also jumped in like maybe my pool that I jumped in was like five feet. B's yeah. was like 20 feet. Right. But I still jumped into water that I was still trying to figure out how to like navigate. Um, but for me, I, I really realized at that time, a lot of freelancing has to do with just the way you carry yourself, like how you are talking up, like in a corporate meeting, how do you hold yourself? What are you talking about? How do you close clients? Like all those things that literally have nothing to do with actually creating, Mm -hmm. um, were very important. And that's where I feel like I learned a lot of that at Rhino. I learned a lot of that at the jobs I was at before at Nordstrom, when I worked at Nordstrom and being with like a bunch of rich people and people who drop a bunch of money, like just understanding how to talk. And I feel like that is where you you kind of struggled because you never sat in like a corporate board meeting like with people or in a corporate startup yeah. environment meeting like that. You did a little bit at Rhino, but you weren't really like a, a full on driving force in that. Mm-hmm. And also you never really had a job where you need to like suit up and be professional. So that was a struggle for you. So that's where I feel like you might were lacking. It was kind of like that identity crisis a little bit where you yeah. were like, dang, like I make films, but like, why can't I get gigs? And a lot of it has to do with the business, which is a lot of people don't talk about that. That's why I think learning the business side of things, I always told you this, you know, like business is probably like 80%, 20% of it is actually being able to make good content. But to be honest, if you're listening to this and you're a content creator, let me just tell you being a good content creator now, bro, that's not enough. Like you go to Instagram, you see beautiful images for days. Oh, yeah. You see people making these epic videos on Instagram that like, it's it's there it's out there it's easily acceptable you know like back in the day the only people that had cameras really the dslr was like uncle bob who took like <laughs> wedding and family photos once in a while yeah but now dude with like the sony a7s3 coming out with things like the r5 that are making consumer cameras able to shoot like these crazy image quality now you got like uncle bob shooting like cinematic sequences out here like everyone shoots uncle bob everyone shoots good content now what, mm-hmm. what my point is you cannot hold your craft too close to your heart and think that's going to pay out for you. Like, yes, of course there are people who are very talented artists. Like you go to the, you go to the museum, right? You see like a stroke of black paint across a white canvas. Beautiful. Costed like $2 million to get that. Yeah. Yeah. There are people 
that can do that like they're just straight up artists but it's really like we don't want to move live on life with the outliers in mind because that will just wreck you. Mm-hmm. you you need to live with like what is the average what is the average and the average is that the average bar for content now is pretty good like yeah. you now know on youtube like back in the day who was rocking 120ds as a key light and a freaking c200 as their main cam that's what Peter McKinnon does. That's mm-hmm. what Gerald Undone does. That's what all these YouTubers are doing. They're rocking cinema cameras with an aperture 120D and all these crazy lights with crazy lenses for a YouTube video. Like, yeah. just let that settle in for a second. Like, these, these cameras and equipment are used to shoot ads. Like, literal ads you see on TV. And oh, people yeah. are using it for YouTube. So, of course, the bar is just set so high now. Like you can't really just create mediocre content. So um, going back to your story, I just feel like B kind of just lacked in the the business side of things. But that's a good segue into our next chapter, which is where you are working now. Mm-hmm. Um, do you now see like, like now you're like in those meetings, you're, a, you're like the D content guy at this agency. Like, dude, literally, for those of you guys who don't know, this place that Baron is working, it's like a creative agency in Tacoma, but without B, they would be struggling, dude. Like you literally run all the content as far as like video production or not, maybe not all. You have some help now, but yeah, you run like if you were out, if tomorrow you hit up Foster's and was like, I'm not going to work here anymore. They would be like, oh, my goodness. Like, what are we going to do? You know, so how has that been for you? Like now understanding all that being professional in a work environment, like really taking that upon yourself, like maybe managing some people now and helping people from like a manager standpoint it's uh it's kind of insane i feel like i've grown three people like in myself in a year because when i started it was literally three people in the company i mean we're talking like baby startup company and now we're almost 10 people and so that year it was just like crazy i mean i was kind of like obviously i was the first content producer that they hired and so i was i had the opportunity to come in and set the bar at a very high level and i mean it's not because i was trying to just you know like outdo everybody always it's like that's just my level of maybe perfection you know perfectionist perfectionism perfectionism whatever uh whatever it may be but i mean i really just like went into that job with i mean i was like hungry i feel like i still am hungry and i'm hungry to grow this company into you know even bigger and better places and and so going through that and kind of seeing how a startup works um working extremely close with the owner like my boss and he's just kind of like walking me through how he deals with clients how how to just run this kind of a business it's been crazy i mean it's been like super super helpful for you know me to just sort of fall into this space that yeah it's it's a small company but i mean we're doing professional level content we're creating things that are we're you know we're doing ads we're doing things that you would that are professional like they're they're legit um and so yeah i mean the person i am now and like the the business minded how i am now is way way different than you know going into freelance freelance, coming out of like basically like a part-time thing with rhino 
working at a restaurant and just kind of like just Jumping. figuring it out yeah. now it feels a lot more yeah like i would have a lot more structure and just that profession level of professionalism that you need in order to like work your way through the space because yeah. it is it's like it's crazy yeah. it's challenging <laughs> no for sure and I, I feel like that's just the big takeaway is that if um you're working at a job i would say like if you're not if you're working at a job that's like i don't know how old you guys are who's listening to this but uncle if bob like, if you're like serving <laughs> at a restaurant or you're working at a job that's like not really growing growing you as a person it might not be a bad idea to start looking for something else like something that is startup vibe something that is like on track for growth you know like just something that can propel you or help you in a professional sense if it's just like a dead-end job i would start looking at least like don't think about you know what like i can't wait to like in freelance because you might go through what b did which is you're gonna go from that dead-end job to like freelancing and you're gonna be super overwhelmed because you're not gonna know how to do a bunch of things on a professional level so but on the other on that same note if you are someone who's working at this nine to five job that's kind of more professional you have a team you're in a department i would say take it upon yourself if you're not ready to freelance to really like understand the mechanics of the business understand how your boss treats you how your boss treats other people understand how they're making money the business model all all those kind of things because when you become a business owner you have to know all those things you know yeah. there isn't going to be someone who's like hey good job pat you on the back there isn't going to be someone who's like hey i don't care if it was slow this week here's your paycheck the same amount you got last week like you don't have that it's like you don't get paid you don't get paid you put out a piece of work you're never not going to get feedback on it the way you want to it's just like a lone soldier kind of deal but that's the cons there also is pros which is why i've been doing it for two years which is you get to work on your own time you get to make your own money and you get to dream as big as you want and you're building your own dream and not no one else's. So that's all good and well, but you do have to be kind of ready for it. So yeah. that's what I think hearing your story is like really interesting because usually people don't have that, that experience of wanting to freelance, literally going for it full send and then going back to like an industry and then feeling growth and like fulfillment. Yeah. And then who knows you might be freelancing, um, either freelancing yourself again in the future or working for another company or maybe growing with this company until you're like a freaking director at the company or something, you know? Yeah. And I think that one of the biggest things is like that I had to come to terms with is, and, and it was, it was, was not easy at all, but it's this notion of like, Oh, I, I'm going to, I can do this. I know I can, like I have the skills I know what I'm doing. And I wouldn't say it's failing, but it is in a way and like failure is okay you know, going and sort of having this idea of being super successful in a full-time freelance and then kind of taking steps back and going more into like a nine to five structure. Like I found way more growth in that because I kind of accepted the fact that like you might just not be ready yet. And that's, yeah. that's okay. And also to that, like, um, I just lost my train of thought. It's totally. cool. It's cool. But we're going to circle back and get right back. I, on ha it. I have a thought actually yeah. on that same note. Shoot I it. was going to say that um, I thought of something as you were talking, which was that B, I will say when he was going through this phase of, of trying to freelance and all that kind of stuff, um, like you don't have like the most 
a strong family support. Like you don't have mom and dad, you know, paying rent over your head. You don't have yeah. like <laughs> someone to as a safety net to 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 bail you out. Let's say you have a slow freelance month and like, okay, here's two thousand dollars to float you this month. Like you don't have that, you know? You don't really have any of that really. Like you've ever since I met you, you've always kind of been like like surviving yourself, paying rent. The moment I met you, you're paying rent and you weren't even like how old were you at the time? You were like twenty? 21? I was 21, yeah. 21, but yeah. you were young and you were working two jobs essentially, like Rhino in the restaurant and paying paying rent, paying car, paying insurance. Like you're paying everything by yourself. So I, what I'm trying to say is for those of you who are listening, if you have and you are fortunate enough to be living with like your parents right now or you're just like you're in a position where your parents can support you or even if you're not paying rent, take advantage like like even if you are not paying rent like at that time when i was with b like i was living at home like i wasn't paying rent and like that's a huge advantage that i had over b freelancing was like a huge burden off my back that like all right that's slow month it's cool like i just didn't make any money but for b it's like i can't pay rent then and like i i understand that that can be really stressful but for those of you who are listening man if you can't if you don't even pay rent and if you are, I know there's some of you who are fortunate enough to have parents that are like paying for everything. You have zero excuses right now to go full send, like zero excuses. Dude, I, I can just speak on like when I moved to California, I didn't even have a credit card, man. Like I, I went, I moved down there. I tried to buy a moped because I thought that was a what? good idea. I tried to buy a, yeah. Be on a moped. Well, okay. Listen, I didn't have a vehicle. No, do explain. Yeah. Do well, explain. I got you. No, I moved down to California. Well, I mean, you're in California. It's sunny all the time. Like still it not, still not warranting a moped, but continue. Well, okay. I, obviously, I didn't have. I wasn't. was like working. You know, not that great <laughs> of a job. I just needed a. I needed something to get from oh, point yeah. A to point B. You know, yeah. those things are really great, gas efficient wise. <laughs> so, point like is, imagining be on a moped right now. It was like Italian little helmet. Yeah. yeah. Oh, oh, dude, on the beach though. Just Anybody, anybody ride a moped on Still the beach? <laughs> I would rather get an electric bike. Word. If you ever see a moped, board. <laughs> if you ever see me on a moped, push me off, bro. I'm gonna push you off. Anyway, I got yeah, you. Continue, continue. Anyways, basically, like I didn't have a, I didn't have credit. I don't have a credit card, so I got a credit card. Like you're supposed to when you're adult, an adult, because that's just what you're supposed to do. And I literally like, I just. I was like, I have to start creating. I have to start filming something because I have a deep, deep love for post-production and editing. And I was like, oh man, I wanna like edit stuff. I wanna edit video and get better at it. But I didn't have anything to edit because I didn't know anyone there. I didn't have a camera. Like, and this was honestly kind of before, you know, everyone was like, oh, just use your iPhone. Like now, I mean, yeah, use your iPhone if you have a good one, but I didn't have that so i dropped like i don't know six seven hundred bucks and i got a nifty 50 and i got a vintage lens and i got a canon t3i and it just started going around like one day i remember i just went to a park for like three hours and just walked around the whole thing created a whole like cinematic b-roll video and it's just that sort of thing is kind of like having that and essentially using the time that I had that was free time as like you you need to focus on the like the time that you can spend thinking about what you love doing do it if you have brain space 
to think about creating and doing what you want to pursue like do it why like don't it's kind of like you you have enough hours in the day to dream about what you want to do in your life if you don't take the time to like actually put forth the effort and have that passion drive even if it's just dreaming up things that you want to do i think that that's even more productive than if you were just like oh man well i'm not going anywhere because i don't have i don't have a 4k camera it's like if you just spent the time dreaming about the moment that you do get that camera and what you're going to do with it then once you actually get to a point like work hard to get to that point work 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 till you can get a camera and then start creating because once you have it you'll kind of know what you want to do because that's Mm -hmm. what i've done just i mean it's it's a never-ending process it's like oh man can't wait till i get to this level i feel like i'm just gonna Mm -hmm. i'm gonna kill it because i've just been dreaming about it forever and i'm just gonna work my butt off to get to that point Mm -hmm. that was that was really that was really good little (sighs) 60 seconds gem you just had Dude, just now. focus on Dude, the gap this is why we have mid convo guys okay <laughs> i always remind the listeners but middle of the conversation there's always a gem there's somewhere in the middle there's always something and i feel like you just hit on probably what the title of this podcast is going to be which is like that whole idea like if you have time to think about it you have time to do it like yeah. just do it like what so- do you think i was doing when i was serving people at the restaurant and they're like asking me for exercise ranch you think i'm th- really caring about their ranch <laughs> no i'm thinking about when i can get enough time and money and get the heck out of there yeah for sure man honestly i i really do feel like it's so hard with all the cameras that are coming out now and like yeah. I, I feel like always like okay like it doesn't like i'm i'm I agree that if iPhone is all you have on is you should make your work and film on it. But I don't agree when someone with a C200 and a red is like, go film on your iPhone. Just go do it. Yeah. Like you already know they're not going to go film on their iPhone, you know? So I'm kind of like split on that. Like I am a big advocate of like filming with the camera you have. um, If it's coming from someone who's also filming on an iPhone. But uh, I would have to say myself too, like, with that being said though everyone starts somewhere yeah. everyone starts at an iphone everyone start i started on the t3i just like you t3i yeah. like everyone starts i would somewhere. still shoot with that camera if you gave me a t3i yeah. and said do a project done dude that's what i'm saying that like people great. people don't realize that like it's really not the camera like for people like if i saw found someone who like went from iphone to t3i like if I gave B a T3i and you like made them go on a competition of a cinematic sequence, like <laughs> B's just going to know more because like he just has shot with more experience and he has a, a bigger cameras, things like that. But I'm just going to say that don't let that hold you back from creating though. Like I shoot on like B's kind of see my transformation. Like when he first oh, met yeah. me, I shot on what? Sony a7, a7R, a7R3, A7R, yep. or A7R2, yep. you know? And I, that just shot like 4k crop mode. Like I shot in 60, 1080. It wasn't even like really, but even he's seen my progression. Like now he sees me shooting on the black magic and just trying to get more into lighting and like just more cinema stuff, you know? And I started somewhere too. And before I met B, I was shooting on rebel series cameras. I was shooting on Mm -hmm. that Sony a seven S two at Rhino. They had, I was like gen one. It wasn't or gen two. It wasn't even like their first one. They did have the gen one there too, though. A seven S one. Classic. But just overall, you know what I mean? Like 
you don't have to go broke to get gear. You can just, you know, I, I don't know. I don't like talking about this because there's so many people already being like, it's not about the gear, guys. Yeah. Just go do it. And I just, I'm just not about that. You know, like I, I think it, there is a level of having it be gear oriented. Is it is it is important, but at the same time, that can be your biggest freaking crutch if if all you care about is the gear. Like, if you shoot that's why when people ask me sometimes when they when they ask me camera questions i literally sometimes like they're like hey i'd be getting them sometimes like do you think black magic or uh a7s3 yeah and i'm like okay okay valid question valid question sir go to their instagram it depends go to their instagram (laughs) nothing no photos no content i even go as far as sometimes to go on people's websites and i click on it video is trash and it's not because their camera quality is trash it's because they just don't understand the fundamentals of filmmaking. Yeah. And honestly, that just happens all too often. You're asking about like freaking cameras that are so out of your league, you know, even out of my league. I, I don't even think I have fully honed in on the black magic. Like there's so many things about this camera that I haven't even like tapped into. And I'm already thinking about like, oh, getting caught up on like, should I get a red? Should I get a Ursa? Like, should I get all this cinema stuff when... I don't even fully I haven't like tamed my own camera yet. Yeah. So I think that people just need to really get that perspective on gear. At least if if I told B right now, it's like, yo, I'm about to go get a red tomorrow. He would be like, okay, Ed, that's kind of a big investment. It's kind of a full. But sound. he but he also wouldn't be like, oh, that, like Ed's skill sets just he shouldn't even even think about a red. He's not even there yet. He wouldn't think that because I have stuff to show for it. I have a portfolio. I have videos that I've shot. Um, same thing with B. If B was like, I'm gonna get a red tomorrow, I'd be like, okay, like he has FS5 <laughs> right now. He shot a bunch of interviews and do- I, I can see how a red can really like make him a better, like all the images quality or whatever, you know, like red code raw and all that kind of stuff. But at the same time, it's like not necessary, you know? Disclaimer for anyone who is considering getting a red um, don't buy a red. <laughs> You like, shot, you sh- we shot with one at Rhino. Just like, rent let's, one. <laughs> let's talk about that for a second. Like, what was your experience like with Red? Because okay. we were both not really... Okay, we got to be careful here, okay? Because there are some beautiful films shot on Red. And oh, there are some people yeah. who use it in a way that's just like a freaking Swiss army knife. I just feel like we just didn't have enough experience in that world to really appreciate what the Red can do. But what what is your take on that with with the red? We were shooting on a red Scarlet W. Yeah. Scarlet W. Yeah. Okay. My take on the red. Um, and, and it was honestly, in my opinion, a very, very little amount of time to have experience with it. I feel like you get to this point, uh, like this, this line that you draw where it's like, okay, you're crossed over into the cinema world. Um, we were trying to shoot something that was like we're used to this run and gun mentality right where you turn the camera on you press record it's going you're ready to go like you can run all around with it and i noticed that if you have just a a basic red with no other equipment or accessories or things that will assist you with actually operating the camera it becomes like 10 times harder to fully get like the most out of that camera because 
we were just kind of going for it. We didn't really know what we needed, what what would help yeah, assist. It, it with, was more of like, hey, this shot on. Red. It was kind of like, yeah. uh this yeah, this is shot on red where. It's like you get to that once you get into that space. That's why when you see movie sets, you see commercial sets with big budgets. There's gear trucks everywhere because you need it's like all the things that go into these kind of cinematic films or just anything with these cameras. You do start to need a lot, a lot of assistance and just handling it in general. It's not a it's not an A7S 2 You can't just handhold a red you know there's no in body image stabilization there's maybe no one day but maybe one right, day but right now. i mean the thing it's like you hey it's, that red it, komodo though yeah well i mean that's another podcast 6k autofocus but that's another podcast that's another guys. podcast yeah. but i mean really at the end of the day like it's don't don't just like think that you need to you're going to be a better filmmaker because you have a red yeah. i mean the gear really doesn't matter it's the craft it's the composition it's yeah. your vision it's the story you're telling yeah. it's like a red's great it's beautiful but i mean to be honest you need a lot more gear you know what question i'm interested in asking it. people now instead of asking what camera do you shoot on i'm gonna start asking people what's your key light what light do you uh, use yeah what light setup do you use mm -hmm. and what diffusion setup do you have and what is your grip setup? How many C stands do you have? Like what kind of C stands do you use? Like I'm gonna start gauging people off of those questions because yeah. now you can have like the best camera, but like it's kind of like imagine rolling up to a set. Now I realize now like rolling up to a set, we although we did shoot on that light panels Gemini, which is a beautiful light. That light is, is awesome. Is beast. But um anyway, what I'm trying to say is like imagine rolling up to a shoot with a red and then shooting on an Amazon key light that's like Fifty dollars. Fifty bucks. Like that just right. Like, that doesn't make any sense. That's like that's like I don't even know. That's like having a civic and then putting on like five thousand dollar rims on it. It's like <laughs> what? You know? Or having a Ferrari and Or putting, putting a muscle car or a civic engine in a muscle car. Yeah, yeah. It's just like <laughs> it just doesn't make sense. So like yeah. like going along with your point, it's all the other equipments, like all the other equipment, like the lighting the grip equipment, like I'm starting to realize how important grip equipment is. Like yeah. having the right things to shape light in a certain way when you're on set, like C stands and reflectors. And, you know, I just recently found out things called the V flat, which is like mm -hmm. you fold it and it's like white on one side, black on one side. And it, yep. yeah. So there's just so much other things that are like, I'm so not interested really in camera claw anymore because like now it's just subjective. And then we're all watching on YouTube and Instagram, which compresses the heck out of your video anyway. So I think one thing to sort of just round out this whole podcast is and sort of like kind of bookend it with the whole idea of the film school versus no film school. For me, a lot of the things that I learned in film school were everything. It was like almost everything but the camera. And the reason of that is because you need that knowledge and understanding of how to use various different types of tools and equipment to help assist your what story you're trying to tell i mean i could just say probably the most important thing you could be shooting on a potato but if your audio is crisp people will be like oh wow i didn't even notice that was shot on a potato Wait, like, a, like a literal potato Dude. like like a literal like potato. a literal potato maybe a baked potato I'm, I'm, I'm trying to see you film with this potato i would do it I would do it, but let's just say you're filming on a red and you've got everything under the sun with you. 
if your audio just sounds garbage, people will instantly tune out. Like or call you out on it. Exactly. And so that that was one of the biggest things I learned in film school was sort of the fundamentals before the practice. It's the like understanding everything around the camera. You have to understand how how you can shape light. How can I communicate to somebody else what I'm trying to what I'm trying to compose in a shot? And so I think that you can learn that without going to film school. Um, but if your sole goal is to, you know, learn everything technical in the industry, in the movie making industry, then yeah, maybe film school is for you because you do learn a lot of that. And, and typically, you know, I'm sure that you can probably find courses online that are a lot cheaper than a whole college, but no, they're, yeah, there definitely are. And honestly, even on YouTube, I, yeah. I feel like there's a new niche emerging which is like this very cinematic, like DPs mm-hmm. are starting to start YouTube channels, like actual DPs. Which is very not, valuable. Not like vloggers and people who make ads. We're talking like actual DPs who have shot commercials and yeah. short film docs that are starting to make YouTube videos now and like exposing all that stuff we're talking about, which is like this really technical filmmaking knowledge. And that's kind of the niche I'm trying to like kind of be in now. Yeah. Not myself, but just that's where a lot of my attention has been. I'm, I'm not really into like the whole vlogs, B-rolls, all that like B-roll cinematic sequence anymore. I almost made an Instagram post on it today, which I probably will tomorrow. <laughs> not to be on a tangent, but that's what this podcast is about. Yep. <laughs> but on the topic of B-roll, it's so annoying when I see people say like, oh, B-roll, B-roll, B-roll. People don't understand, like, in the filmmaking world, B-roll is footage that's supposed to be added to A-roll. Yes. Like, B-roll is, it's A-B, B-roll. It's supposed to be Mm -hmm. on top of your quote-unquote A-roll, your main shot. But people are creating videos just on B-roll. That's why. With no purpose, no intention, no, they're just compiling a bunch of B-roll. And I'm like, these shots are supposed to be used with an interview shot or with a narrative or with a yeah. voiceover or like with something with substance, you know what I mean? But like, but because of YouTube and because of the world we're in right now in the filmmaking, like creative content niche, everyone's just like, oh, I'm trying to make cinematic B-roll sequences yeah. without even understanding what the term B-roll really is for and where it comes from. Anyway, that was like, just like a random rant that I had to go on. No, I, yeah, I agree with you hundred percent. Like, I would say even if you're like, man, I, I'm going to, I don't know, Africa, for example, and I want to make a film about it, or I want to do something where I can just like post a highlight, like at least create thinking in your mind, like create something that can, someone could watch it and say, Oh, I I felt some emotion behind that. Or I felt, I felt that experience as opposed to like, hey look at all these drone shots of the beach dude you know what i mean like and then it's like flashy you know uh zoom yeah. in transitions like like in camera yeah like like think like in camera transitions great but do they add to your story yes or no if it's no then like you know maybe try and figure out a different yeah. way to do that but just tell a story like that's mm-hmm. it even if it is b-roll tell a story have make, some meat have some yeah, meat to your make some thing. people feel like get people in the feels <laughs> <laughs> that just like was so dramatic feels. dude so dramatic put a little pitch shifter on my voice like oh feels. My. you know what i mean <laughs> slow it down <laughs> anyway all right we're like an hour deep on this podcast we're gonna probably wrap it up here um 
Yeah, uh, to wrap everything up, I, I just I know you just recapped a second ago, yeah. but I do really feel like if you're listening to this, what you can take away from this episode, I, I don't know why, but that one statement where you're just like, if you have time to think about it, you have time to do it. I feel like that is just like a really like mm, punch in your face. Like if you're just dreaming on it, you have time to do it and execute on it. So I would say do that. And also <laughs> we went on like a little gear tangent, but gear is a big thing because I feel like people who are listening to this they're they're like man my camera's not that great blah blah blah. and i'm let me tell you guys stop worrying about your camera because if you dm me and i ask you what's your key light and you tell me it's some amazon basics (laughs) bs that's like twenty dollars i'm gonna get on your case like invest in good lights first invest in good grip equipment first invest in good you know, like reflectors and, you know, things you can use for fill, negative fill, because you guys learned that on this episode. Negative fill. All that kind of stuff. Just like learn on that. So I would add just one last thing. And a thing that actually Ed really instilled in me is you need to know when you can give yourself a break. And also on that note, like be gracious with yourself. Know that what you're doing is enough and know when you need to do more and understand that and don't dwell on the fact that maybe you need to do more don't dwell on that idea instead turn that into something positive and know that it maybe it's time for you to push a little harder Mm -hmm. and if you've been pushing you've been pushing you've been going and you've given it all like give yourself breaks and recognize that and know that it's okay Mm -hmm. and that's something that ed told me a lot when i did freelance And at the time, I was kind of just like, I don't know what that means. I didn't know how to make that into a positive mindset. But reflecting on that now, it's like, oh, yeah, like it's okay to give yourself a little time to breathe and sort of like reevaluate. But, you know, no, I agree. Yeah, I I really agree with that. I think that's a good um, ending note. And just to build off of that. I feel like we keep alluding to ending, but we're just like not ending the podcast. Ending part three. <laughs> but yeah, I, I would just say I have to agree. And it's just that you just need to know when to sprint, when to rest. And I, I'm i trying to take this new approach. Maybe you guys can all follow along with it. And that approach is I'm not really a fan of setting super aggressive goals anymore. You know, like I think it's easy. It's fun. It's also fun. To talk with your friends, with your family, like, you know what? I'm going to quit my job next month. I'm going to make six figures as a content creator this year. I'm going to work with Nike. Going to buy year. a Tesla. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> like, it just, these just these goals, you know what I mean? And I feel like just understanding that goals are not that relevant. You know, what is relevant is like, what are you doing on a day to day basis? How are you improving as a person day to day? Just those small little goals details you know that you you don't you're not really especially in 2020 yeah like Like, you got to set those small smaller goals for yourself and then when you do that all that other stuff like will happen and you don't want to get lost in the sauce because if you get lost in that sauce it's a dark place it's a dark place unless the sauce is really really good and then you can enjoy it for a little bit but get out of there (laughs) that's my ending thought (laughs) all right anyway thanks okay if you guys don't know um brandon has an instagram as well he's not posting crazy on there but once a month yeah uh (laughs) what's your handle it's uh just brandon 12 hendrix okay brandon 12 hendrix like the gin or yeah 
Totally. Right? Not, not right? like, no, yeah, it is like the gin. Not like Jimmy, the guitarist. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <the> G- <laughs> Hendrix with a CKS, CKS at the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So go follow him. Um, I don't know. Me and B, will, B always talk about it. We're probably going to work on it. I really want to film like a documentary with B one day, like some epic, yeah. epic movie or film. So that will happen at some point. But thanks so much for coming onto the podcast, bro. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. And all you guys who listen to us freaking talk uh, like duds for the past hour. I really appreciate <laughs> you guys. And uh, hopefully I have another episode next week. I'm going to stop saying I have weekly episodes because I just be dropping off on them. I'm going to upload when they upload, you know? Hit, hit up Ed if you want us to do a shameless gear podcast where we just Dude, talk about gear for yes. like an hour. DM me <laughs> or B if you just want to hear us ramble about gear for like an hour because we can do, do that. Yeah. <laughs> if you just want to hear all the geeky stuff about frame rates and cameras and all that stuff, we will. But anyway, thank you guys for tuning in on this podcast. We'll see you guys next week with the next podcast episode. And yeah, we'll see you guys. Peace. Peace.